Herb Alpert and the T1 of Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest, I should say our guest on uh, this edition of Fangraphs Audio is a combination of uh, ambidextrous <laughs> of ambidextrous pitcher Pat Vendetta, uh, who, of course, pitches for Oakland and made his debut recently, and also his pitching coach, Kurt Young. I'm not the person who talks to either of them, uh, however, that is David Lorla, and David Lorla is helping me with this introduction so that he can provide some context for the conversations that follows. David, you were there at the Fenway the other night, and you are here uh, right now joining us by phone. How are you? Carson, all of that is very correct. I was there. And, uh, you know, context, that's that's funny because I think everybody in the world follows baseball knows about this now. Uh, I'm not sure what type of context do we need. Does, does everybody know that he is technically only the fifth ambidextrous pitcher to throw a pitch in the major leagues? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not that. I know that people know, people probably remember and uh, were helped out by Matt Corey, uh, in the electronic pages today in that regard, he, of course, uh, he remembered briefly Greg Harris's uh, attempts at that, which were not uh, either uh, particularly excellent or particularly terrible. But Harris stuck mostly to the right hand. Right. Well, Harris, of course, that was 20 years ago with the Expos. Um, unless I'm mistaken, and I don't think I am, he faced uh, four batters that game, two his normal right-handed Two left-handed, and I believe he, it was a walk and a ground ball left-handed. Uh, I, I actually once interviewed Lou Gorman, the, the former Red Sox general manager and GM of other teams. Gorman would not let Harris throw left-handed in the game with the Red Sox. Uh, and I did ask Lou about that. Lou said that, yes, he could throw left-handed. He thought he could get big league hitters out that way, but he was skeptical. He had seen him throw in BP, and he just didn't think. A lot was there, and uh, the gift that Matt Corey shows, maybe that's pretty accurate because uh, it, it didn't really look pretty. Right. There is there is a, a version, or one pitch at least, from that outing where uh, he throws it well wide, a fastball well wide of the catcher. But now you're saying there's some other, uh, there are other some examples from history. Do you, do you have those at the ready, David Lorla? I do, Carson Sestouli. Uh, this is this is a matter of modern era versus not, of course, because the other three that I'm aware of happened in the 1880s and 1890s. And although I'm not certain of the exact year, I think it was like 1892 or 93 where the mound went to its current 60 feet 6 inches. So it's possible that one or all of these three pitchers were throwing from 50 feet, but... Uh, Tony Mullane, who was a, a famous pitcher back then, apparently did it three times. Uh, Mullane, interestingly enough, had a nickname of the Apollo of the Box, which is something I really don't understand. But it's, nicknames used to be great once upon a time. Icebox Chamberlain apparently did it a few times. That's also another amazing nickname, or maybe that was his given name, and his parents just like keeping food cold. He may have been very proficient at that. His parents may have been onto something. Uh, but no, Icebox Chamber, I believe Larry Corcoran was the third. So this, ha- this has happened. But I think, Carson, what's really fascinating when you look at guys who have or could do it, um, I recall a number of months ago stumbling across the fact that Dave Boo Ferris, another good nickname, Boo, uh, pitching for the Red Sox in the 1940s, was a right-handed pitcher, uh, but I learned that when he went to college, I believe it was Michigan, M- Mississippi State, 
he was a right-handed pitcher and he played first base left-handed. Oh, that is. Wait, wait. So uh, presumably he could have pitched, you know, mop-up duty left-handed as well. Right. Yeah, that that is peculiar. Now, um, I'd like to ask you just briefly about Vendite himself, because you have an um, interesting perspective on the matter, as you note at the beginning of your conversation with him. Um, you talked with him. Uh, he was pitching in the Florida State League, and I think that uh, he was relatively new to professional baseball at that time. And of course, you caught him at Fenway this uh, this past weekend. Um, do you sense because he's he's put up uh, particularly. You know, he's put up pretty good numbers in the meantime, and yet he has to wait till age 29 for his debut. Did you sense, um, and this might be an unfair question for you, but do you sense any frustration about his path, or do you just sense that this is the uh, this was his particular journey, uh, just like every other player is going to have his own particular journey? Well, I think, Carson, it's really the latter, that it, that, that it was his journey. Uh, I, this is the third time that I've spoken to Vendetti. I actually originally spoke to him right after he was drafted when he was in the New York Penn League. And uh, he is as humble as any baseball player I've ever spoken to. He's, you know, he's a Midwest guy. He's from Omaha, Nebraska. And he's just a very low-key, friendly guy. It would be pulling teeth to get him to complain, I think, about anything that happens to him in baseball. He just simply worked his way there, and as he told me, I believe he says it in the interview, it took him both arms to get there, right. that he was that he would not be good enough right-handed or left, but he's just good enough with each that the combination has him in the big leagues. Now, in, in your brief conversation with pitching coach Kurt Young, um, he, and I think Vendetti echoes these sentiments too, uh, he, he seems to take some pains to downplay the sort of pageantry of this event. He doesn't want this to be regarded as a sideshow, but rather uh, as the, the A's um, using, you know, a member of their team to, to try and get out. Has, has that been sort of the, one of the kind of, uh, I guess, abiding uh, sentiments uh, from, from, from the team that you've seen? Oh, Absolutely. Uh, I just I took the, the time earlier this morning to take a quick listen to the audio of the interview I did with, with Vendetti in the Florida State League five years ago. This was for a print publication, so it, it's not available online to, to reference. But the last thing I asked Pat was, you know, do you have any final thoughts of things that you'd really like people to know about you? And he said that he wants his stats to speak for themselves. And that the best way to show people that, you know, to, I believe he used the, the term to move forward from the fact that he's a switch pitcher, and, and a real pitcher is just his performance. And, you know, that, you know, that's probably never going to happen, regardless of how good he is and what he does. I think he is going to be forever in history as the switch pitcher. Right. Uh, now you asked Pinto. which he has, which he has always done, Carson. Yes, he has. Uh, he's, he 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 was three years old when he started throwing w- with both arms. Well, then he's been doing it forever. You know, he, you know he, he he was an ambidextrous pitcher in little league. Now you asked Pet Vendetti for uh, any final thoughts. Uh, do you have any final thoughts that you need to share uh, with a listener before we turn to uh, your conversations with Vendetti and Kurt Young? Uh, maybe the only things that I think stand out that we haven't mentioned here is the fact that, you know, yes, he does warm up with both arms for those at the park probably didn't see this. He starts warming up. Uh, For instance, yesterday, his second game, he threw 
left-handed warming up, and then his final warm-up pitches were right-handed because he was going to face a right-handed hitter first. Oh, okay. Well, very good. Well, thank uh, you. So- oh, what do you have more? More. <laughs> more. I always have, have, have more, Carson. Just two final thoughts not directly related to, to Vandetti. They're more tangential. But Eduardo Rodriguez, the, you know, the hotshot rookie for the Red Sox now, great left-handed starter who throws in, in the mid-90s. He was a right-handed. He threw right-handed until he was eight years old and broke his arm, which oh. I think is a fascinating uh, thing to think that the, you can develop that kind of mu- muscle strength you know, with arm that is not your 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 prominent arm early. And, and one other thing on switch pitcher possibilities, I was speaking with Chris Perez a few years ago when Chris was with the Indians, and he was telling me that Carlos Carrasco is ambidextrous, that he will shag balls in the outfield and throw them in left-handed, and that he could easily throw left-handed to a batter if need be. So who knows? Maybe Vendetti will not be the last we see who will, who will do this in a game. Right. Well, I look forward to it, just as I look forward to the audio to follow, and then I'm sure that our, our listeners do. I want to thank you, David Lorla, for, for getting that audio. Thank you much, Carson. All right. That is David Lorla. I'm Carson Sestouli. Uh, please stay tuned for conversations with Pat Vendetti and A's pitching coach Kurt Young on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. playing for Tampa in the Florida State League, so I think, is that like five years ago, maybe? Yeah, 2010 was the last time uh, I was there full-time, other than the rehab assignment in uh, 13, but yeah, it's about five years ago. What has changed with you, then, as a pitcher? Because I know I did a story for a Yankees preview magazine, and we talked in depth about you coming up as a, you know, as whom you are, an ambidextrous pitcher, and your and your repertoire. Yeah, not, to be honest... I don't know if anything's changed, really. I'm still really the same pitcher I was. Uh, I, I have dropped down sidearm now from the right side. That would be the biggest difference from then. I was over the top, um, but that was pre-labral surgery in 2012. So after I came back from that, I dropped down. And, you know, it's, it's allowed me to get right-handers out a little bit more efficiently than before. Was that the driving force of dropping down? It wasn't really labrum so much as the the effectiveness? Yeah, it was uh, more result-based. Uh Gil Patterson, the pitching coordinator with the Yankees, came to me uh, in last year, 2014, and pretty much told me I, I would need to drop down from the right side if I wanted to continue pitching in their system. I, I fought it for a little while, but I'm uh, glad he had me do it. Yeah, I'm always interested, Pat, when guys tell me that they f- they fight an idea of a change. Is that simply something has worked for so long? What if this hurts me? Well, not necessarily if it hurts you, but more you're comfortable doing something and you know you don't you don't really think past the level you're at and maybe in their mind beyond double a it wasn't going to work or so they had no interest you know in mm-hmm. seeing me pitch over the top but as a player you don't really think about that but um i think anytime something's different and it doesn't come to you right away as a it's human nature to just kind of fight that but i'm glad i worked through it you mentioned Velo a few minutes ago. Uh, in, going in my memory bank, it seemed to me like there was a real difference right to left when we talked several years ago. Has that changed? Um, before, it was probably, probably 88 to 90 over the top, 90 being on the top side. More, I'd probably say 86 to 90 in sidearm. Um, now I'm sure it's a little bit slower. I really 
don't know. I, I don't go in after the games and ask about velos because for me, there's nothing that I'm going to see on that paper that's going to help get me anywhere. It's going to be all about results. So the velocity to me isn't, it can't really play that big of a role in my mind. And is it the same right to left? That's sort of what I was getting at as I was recalling you through harder from one side than the other. Yeah, I'm sure I'm a few ticks harder from the right side. So left hand has always been about 82, 83. And then right handed maybe 84 to 86. If we go all the way back to the first time we spoke, which is a brief conversation when you were in the New York Penn League, you had been signed maybe a month earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you really have any idea then where you might be <laughs> in, in, at this time? What, seven, eight years later? Seven years later, yeah. It was, uh, I was telling my wife the other day, it's, it took just under seven years to get here from the day I signed. So um, you don't really know what's going to happen from one day to the next, and you just you learn to take it one day at a time. You, you know, when you sign that, you think everybody comes here, but then you realize how difficult it is and all that has to go right to get here, and it's just a long journey. Do you think, Pat, that it took until last night for people to realize that you're just not a story, that you're actually a pitcher? You know, I'm sure I'll be fighting that for a while. But to me, it it doesn't matter, you know, being a one-handed or two-handed pitcher. My my goal was, you know, to get to this point. And it it took both arms for me to get here. I wasn't going to get here just as a lefty or as a righty. So for me, it's what it takes to even have the opportunity to play at this level. When you came into the game last night, uh, you're not walking onto the mound in your mind as a switch pitcher. You're walking to the mound as a guy making his debut. Yeah. Uh, could you feel your legs walking in from the bullpen? You know, it was it was pretty special, and uh, you know, everybody I had talked to, the guys that had been up, you know, before me, just they were adamant about me slowing everything down. And throughout the game, I was able to do that, and I had a a good sense once uh, you know the fifth inning rolled around and Cass came out that. I was going to probably have to get some people out last night, so I was able, you know, to prepare myself a little bit. But you're never fully prepared for that moment until it happens. So you're not actually shirking the question as to whether or not you could feel your legs. Like, did no, you walk in? And, I, and, yeah, and, I, I, I felt <laughs> my legs last night. There was nothing. There was no like out of body experience or anything like that. Not, it was. Uh, it was another game, just probably most important one. <laughs> just another game. Just the, just the where? most important one of my life. <laughs> And uh, when you walked off the field afterwards, uh, you know, were you was it just another game again, or was it were you already running everything that had happened through your mind by the time the game ended? You know, we were it was such a close game last night. You know, when I came out of the game, it went from you know focusing on what I was doing to you know pulling for our guys, and then when Josh hit that ball off the wall, I'd kind of forgotten about my outing, and at that point, it was just trying to get a win. Missed a home run maybe by two feet, it looked like. Close. Yeah, you got that ball pretty good. Now, you're a smart enough guy, Pat, to know that pitcher wins are, are sort of out of your control, especially as a bullpen guy. But are they still important to the point where when he hit that ball, you thought, I have a chance to get a win here if that goes out and we score again? No. You know, what I've noticed with this club is uh, being with them since spring training that there's one thing that anybody cares about, and that's winning. And it would have been very special to you know mm-hmm. be a part of helping that team win. But... You know, during my time here, I just want to be a huge asset to this team and help them in any way that I can. Okay, and one last question for uh, Pat Vendetti, because I know people sp- paid specific attention to your Blake Swihart oh, yeah. uh, at bat last night. You know, just sort of run through what happened there. What happened was they, the coaching staff told me I was supposed to pitch right-handed. I had a mental lapse on the mound and originally told him I was going to pitch left-handed. 
Um, I faced him quite a bit last year in Double A, and I believe again maybe even in Triple A. And uh, there was some. Uh, I, I think the first time I faced him left-handed. And then I, I don't know about the rest of the season, but for some reason last night I had it in my mind I was going to be pitched left-handed against him. So I said that, and then once I did that, I realized, uh oh, I messed up. I got to go right-handed. But luckily, I hadn't stepped on the rubber yet, and until I engaged the rubber, nothing is set in stone. So I apologized to the umpire, and Blake understood, and we just went to battle. And what is the technicality on the rule? Because you can step on. Is it the hand that your glove? What if you're yeah. you're holding? And not actually wearing the glove. Well, I would assume what they would go to is what foot I'm stepping on the rubber with. So if my right foot's on the rubber, I have to pitch right-handed. Because they're, you know, that's in a way signaling which way I'm going to pitch. Pat, thanks a lot for your time. That was uh, Oakland ambidextrous pitcher Pat Vendetti in conversation with our David Lorla. Uh, and as noted during the introduction, that is not the only conversation uh, featured on this podcast. In fact, in addition to Vendetti, uh, we also have uh, audio, David Lorla, in conversation with Vendetti's pitching coach, the pitching coach for the Oakland Athletics, Kurt Young. Kurt Young discusses not only the Oakland A's uh, general plans for Vendetti, uh, but also it regards Vendetti as another means for Oakland to record outs. Uh, and not the spectacle to which some might reduce him. Here is David Lorla's brief conversation with Oakland pitching coach Kurt Young. Consider it too, you know, being able to throw both-handed, uh, very effective both ways. It, it definitely gives him both, uh, you know, the mental edge and the physical edge against the opposing hitters. And what did you see last night? You saw Pat obviously during spring training, and you've seen video. But what did you see last night in his debut? Well, I'd say this: I saw a guy that's been waiting all his life to pitch at this level, and. How he went about his business last night is how he's been pitching in Nashville, our Triple A team. Uh, has a good style, uh, uses a lot of breaking balls, and knows how to spot his fastball, both left-handed and right-handed. And you said a lot of breaking balls. That's a slider that, that Pat throws, I believe? Yeah, a little bit of a sweeping, I'll, I'll call it a slurve in baseball te- terms, a little bit of a sweeping breaking ball, both ways. When you talk to Pat about pitching, what are the conversations like? Does he ask you for specific things? Well, he, he just got here, but in spring training, you know, we, we definitely got into it pretty deep with what he likes to do to lefties, what he likes to do to righties, uh, which switch hitter we want, you know, to turn around which way, whether it's going to left-handed or going to right-handed. So those are some of the things that he's dealt with throughout his professional career and really since he's been pitching both ways. Is Pat in a situation where he he is going to be dictated by his staff, by you and the rest of the staff, whether he throws right or left? Well, to an with, individual hitter? Yeah, with the switch hitter factor, that'll come into play. I mean, when he's facing a right, he's going to throw right-handed. When he's facing a lefty, obviously he's going to throw left-handed. Right, but with the switch hitters, though, is it a situation where maybe Pat, feel-wise, may be more comfortable one-handed than the other on a given day? Yeah, that, that definitely comes into play. You know, if he feels that way, he'll let us know. And, you know, just the, the what happened last night, Swihart 
turning him around to hit left-handed just because we're here in Fenway Park. Uh, you know, get him a chance. Uh, he's going to pull the ball to, to right field, hitting right-handed. He's got a chance to hit a homer here. So we hit, we had him hit left-handed. And there was a little bit of a mix-up there, I believe, in which hand Pat was going to initially throw by. Did the game maybe speed up on him a little bit? No, he knew going out there there's – there's been times in his minor league career that he faced Swihart, and he's faced them both ways. And, and he just, I don't know if he forgot out there, or I haven't talked to him about it yet today, but uh, I believe most of the time he faced him as a lefty hitting right-handed. But like I say, in this ballpark, it's a little different. Okay, and one last thing for Kurt Young. This is obviously a serious game. He is here to help this team win games. But from a fan's perspective, just how much fun was what he did last night? Well, it's unique, David. Very, very unique. You you don't see this uh, every day. A guy out there changing gloves and throwing with different hands. So, and, and you're right. It's not a, a sideshow. It's it's him here helping us win games and. Uh, last night he proved himself pretty effective. Thank you, Kurt.